Come on, everyone, lift your hands. Lift your hands.
inside of us this morning and he gently responded saying, I will move inside of you and I will move in spite of you. Meaning that he is, he's not going to move contingent upon what we do. His presence is going to move in this place whether we like it or not this morning. The thing is, are you going to step in? He's troubling the waters this morning. He's stirring it up and it's not contingent on you. He is God, he is faithful, and he will move inside of us, and he will move in spite of us. I want us one more time to lift up a shout of praise. Come on, church. Lift it up. Praise him. Worship him. Declare we worship you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. We declare your goodness, God. You are worthy, God. You are worthy. You are worthy. Come on, church. We worship you, Jesus. Come on, church, one more time. If God's been good to you, let him hear it this morning. Let him hear it. Praise him. We're not promised tomorrow. Jesus, we worship you. We declare you, God. We declare your goodness. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, we worship you. There's a sweet presence in this room this morning. We worship you, Jesus. We exalt you, God. There is none like you. There is none that compares to you, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 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 Jesus, Jesus. saints say amen. amen he is a good good God amen please stand with us for the reading of the scriptures God bless you for your faithful support and giving this morning thank you worship arts department amen let's give our worship arts department a hand we're just so grateful for they're leading us in worship we began a sermon series today entitled the ripple effect it's three Sundays, including today, so two more after today, and uh, we're going to be talking about Pastor Cecil's life and uh, some things that uh, impacted our lives, the church, and beyond, and celebrating. When um, Jacob died, we'll read this in just a moment, there was 40 days of mourning, then there was an additional 30 days added on to that, and I'll explain that. When Moses died, there was 30 days of mourning. Under the law, there was a period, generally speaking, of seven days of mourning when a person would die. When a spiritual leader that was recognized as a leader would die, there would be upwards of 30 days, as a rule, in behalf of that spiritual leader. And the, the Lord put in my heart that Evangel Temple has had one that has labored among us for 53 years that we esteem in the faith of our God and that he's impacted this church, our lives, and many others and that we honor him for a period of 30 days as they did in the scripture. And that began on the starting the day 
that he went to be with Christ. And so uh, we have uh, three Sundays here, and the 30th day will be the following uh, Monday after this third Sunday. But I just wanted to take 30 days to honor a man of God that has lived the life before us. And as Pastor Jordan said at the memorial service, what you saw in the pulpit, you saw outside at home or wherever he was in the community, he was the real deal. Amen. And I want us to honor Sister Wiggins, who's in this service this morning. Amen. Three weeks ago today, I'm just setting the stage. Three weeks ago today in these two services on Sunday morning, I, we, it was our 73rd anniversary as a church. 53 years pastor had been here. I honored him in those services and thanked him for those years. And we, we uh, thanked him for uh, all that you know, he had done. And the congregation stood and just loved on him, not knowing that that very week he'd be promoted into uh, the presence of the Lord. But I made a statement that I believe to the core. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 says you've got 10,000 teachers in the body of Christ, but very few spiritual fathers. Paul said that, so it must be true. And I believe we've been privileged to have a spiritual father. And I want to honor that, and I also want to teach a generation that watches and that's coming along. We have to teach this next generation, how to respect, how to pay honor, how to realize that none of us are here on our own accord, that we stand on the shoulders of those that have paved the way, gone before us. Come on, church, don't get quiet on me. Amen. And it's a good thing for us to do this. It's a good thing for our families to see us pay honor to whom honor is due. Paul said that. And so from Genesis chapter 50, I want everybody to open the Scriptures we have the passing of Jacob here in chapter 50, verse 1. Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father. And the physicians embalmed Israel. His name was Judah. God changed his name to Israel. And 40 days of mourning were fulfilled. For so are fulfilled those days of those which are embalmed. And then the Egyptians mourned for him a total of three score and ten, a total of seventy days. And when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spake unto the house of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found grace in your eyes, speak, I pray you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, My father made me swear. Now, Joseph could not go in before Pharaoh. He had access because he was second in leadership. But during the days of mourning, they would not shave. They would not cut their hair. Not when they were out of public purview, they would not change clothing. And these were, these were the, the, basically how mourning took place. But no one could enter the presence of Pharaoh until they had cleaned up, shaven, and, and washed themselves. And so uh, Joseph has, is just now getting access back into Pharaoh's presence to request that he be able to move Jacob's body and bones out of Egypt. Because Jacob made Joseph promise, when I die, don't leave me down here in 
the land of Egypt. I want my bones back in Canaan. Let me fast forward a number of years because Joseph lives to be 110. When he's about to die, he says, don't leave my bones down here. Take my bones also back. I want to tell you, friends, uh, there's some things that we want to transmit that Joseph caught a hold of. But anyway, uh, so Pharaoh grants in verse 4, 5, and 6 for Joseph to take his father's bones and take back to Canaan. And we know that he buries his dad in the very sepulcher where his grandfather Abraham was buried. Help me now. Where his father Isaac was buried. And now three generations of patriarchs are buried in the same cave. You may be seated. Jacob made preparation to leave this life. He was preceded by a grandfather that was a man of God, full of faith, that Abraham, watch this, he left his family in the Ur of Chaldees and followed the call of God. It's sad to say that we have a lot of people leave the call of God to follow family. But Abraham left family to follow the call of God. The call of God should always be the highest priority in all of our lives. I'm going to come down and say amen to myself. Amen. He birthed a son named Isaac. Isaac also was a patriarch of the faith. Isaac then birthed two sons, Jacob and Esau. Watch this very closely. Esau sold his birthright, sold that first son's blessing. Listen to me, friends. Uh, The blessing upon your life is very important. And the last thing that the man of God did before he left this pulpit, I think it's significant. We've always heard that the last thing a person says is, is important. And the last Thing that Pastor Cecil did in pulpit ministry after 53 years was to lift his hands over this congregation and speak the blessing called the Aaronic Blessing. That was his last official act from a pulpit of 53 years. I believe that blessing is important. There's a lot of fatherless boys and men today. They've not had a father speak over them. And I thought uh, in the natural or in the spirit realm, And I I just want you to get prepared at the end of this service. We're going to receive a blessing from Pastor Cecil. Amen. And I believe is important. So Isaac birthed Jacob and Esau. Esau hated Jacob because he stole his blessing. Friends, don't give up your blessing. Don't devalue the blessing. Don't misunderstand how important the blessing of God is upon our lives. Jacob recognized that the Lord was upon his life and he goes out and one night, he, he, uh, as he begins to uh, leave uh, the home uh, because of Esau's threats, he, he pillows his head upon a, a rock. And uh, as, he's, as he's going to sleep there, he encounters God uh, there. And, and God opens heaven up and a ladder is stretched from heaven to earth. And he sees angels descending and ascending and at the top of the ladder he sees God and he declares that this is none other than the house of God it was just a rock in a place a stone that he had laid his head on 
but he realized it became a place uh, that he named Bethel. And Jacob many times went back to Bethel. I want to say to somebody, you need to return uh, to the place where God touched your life, anointed your life, called your life, empowered your life. You need to get back to the Bethel. He builds some rocks. Watch this. He sets up some stones, and then he pours some oil on those stones. The symbolism is very important here because anybody can set up some rocks. Anybody can amass some stones together. But when he poured the oil on the stones, he was consecrating that as a place of sacred worship that he would come back and visit and where he would worship God. I want to tell you, Pastor Cecil began to erect some stones on Ramona Boulevard. Over the years, he's built some, uh, put some stones together, but not just for stones' sake, not just to have uh, any kind of place, but he poured some oil, the anointing of the Holy Ghost, on this house to become a house of worship where angels would ascend and descend and that God would be in charge and enthroned over this place. I'm going to preach whether you help me or not, for 53 years, he labored here, preaching the gospel, amen, and declaring and building buildings and seeing souls saved. In Deuteronomy chapter 34, we see the honor of Moses. God had raised up Moses at the end of the, the period of slavery, and God raises him up to be a deliverer. And Moses goes out into the desert. He's faithfully keeping the flocks of Jethro, his father-in-law. And he encounters a burning bush. He gets a call upon his life. A lot of people want a position who've never had a call. It's more important you get the call of God on your life before you seek a position, a, a, a place where you want to lead and, and be in charge. You need the call of God. You need a burning bush experience where God comes to you and reveals himself to you as the I am that I am. Hallelujah. Don't seek a position without the call of God. Moses had fruitful ministry and he led the nation. And he had a rod that he carried. He kept that rod with him because that rod was important. When he went in before Pharaoh, he threw that rod down and it became a snake. The old Egyptian magician said, well, we can copy that. And they threw their rods down and they became snakes. But listen, Moses' rod ate up the Egyptians' rods. Hallelujah. He had a rod in his hand. Moses did. And he lifted it over the Red Sea. And the Red Sea parted so that the children of Israel, as we sang it, they could walk right through on dry ground. Pastor had some instruments in his hand. For 53 years in this pulpit, he preached the word of God. He honored this book, and this book was important to him. This is the first Bible of numbers of Bibles. If you go to his office, you'll see there are numbers of Bibles that have been wore out. God give us preachers that have wore out Bibles. 
God, give us pastors that will wear out the scriptures. Amen. He preached the word. He also had a shovel that he loved. And he turned this over to us eight years ago. And when we transitioned, he became pastor emeritus. But we've used this shovel on 25, 28 building projects over the years here at Evangel Temple. And this shovel to turn dirt so that buildings could be built. And he loved this shovel and was looking forward to this summer us using this shovel again. Amen. And we spoke of it often. He also had a staff. That was a little difficult when he first started having a cane. He didn't want to do that. He said, I don't need that. But it, it came a time, but it wasn't just a cane. It became a staff. Listen, not everybody that owns a cane, is that a cane? It may be a rod. It may be a staff of anointing. On those staffs, they would carve different things that were important, victories, and the power of God being seen in miracles. And they would, they would make carvings that were important. And Moses lifted that. Hey, there's some folk that have some, have some rods in their hands that you might ought to have pray for you. I've had so many people talk about prayers that have been answered that Pastor Cecil prayed over them. Don't just look at somebody that's doning a rod and think, well, uh, there, there's nothing there. And listen, there's some power there, and that's why I believe when he prays the, the ironic blessing, uh, not everybody that prays the ironic blessing has power to back it up. Amen. I remember being in Abaco after the hurricane hit the island of Abaco in 1999, and we took teams of men over 20-something trips to help rebuild the entire camp there. And I, I remember preaching so many times in a church called Treasure Key, Assembly of God. And there was always an elderly gent gentleman that sat on the front row about where Derek or Frank are there, and, and he carried a rod in his hand like this. And as I'm preaching, he, he gets, uh, he sees some teenagers acting up, and he points that rod. You see, this can also be a, a rod of correction. Amen. Uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Sometimes we need the rod of correction. Sometimes we need the staff of comfort in our lives. But I, I remember that elderly gentleman. There was sort of like three things that would go on. He'd first point. Amen. Second time, if you continued to talk, he would get up because I'm preaching and he gets up and he walks back over and just taps on the pew. Third time was no tap on the pew. Amen. I don't know that pastor ever used this like that. Amen. But I can tell you there was some anointing to carry that. Point number two, I want to talk to you about the honor of Jacob. In his last days, he blesses Joseph's sons. And he crosses his hands. And he blesses, speaks a blessing. He calls his family in. And he blesses all of his sons. And you can go through and read chapter 49, the blessings that were associated with every single son. And how those have even come to pass prophetically. Jacob's life takes up 25 chapters in the book of Genesis. Pastor Cecil lived a long, gifted life here among us. He was a peacemaker. 
He learned how to forgive and preach that. He believed in finding the lost coin, the lost sheep, the prodigals. He loved this last series that we did entitled Sit With Me. He would tell me how many people he handed cards to. One day he was over at the car wash on Cassett. He had three people that one time say they would, he gave them cards and they promised to be in attendance in worship. And he just enjoyed talking to people and sharing with people. And as I mentioned to you in the funeral service, the last, some of the last words he spoke to me. He said, Gary, don't ever forget, it's all about the lost. It's all about the lost. But he loved to invite people to come to church. He had a local impact and made a difference in a lot of ways locally. He was a progressive pastor who was full of faith. He was a prayer warrior. Numerous times over the years he told me that the only difference between a rut and a grave is that the rut has both ends knocked out. And he said the church can never afford to get in a rut or we'll lose uh, seeing people get saved. He's been honored in many different ways and I uh, here locally and even in other areas. But I want to play a dear friend of mine, one of my closest friends in the ministry is Bishop Vaughn McLaughlin from the Potter's House. And he sent me a video that they made uh, a few days ago on a Sunday night at their church. And I want you to watch this. Brothers and sisters, I just want to say that Dr. Cecil Wiggins was a great man of God. He was a friend and a surrogate mentor. It was when I was first saved, I had not been in the kingdom no longer than two weeks. And I flipped on the television and from the book of Ezekiel chapter 18, he was preaching from the subject, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. So many people were preaching prosperity and naming and claiming and blabbing it and grabbing it. But he, being a true, hardcore Pentecostal preacher who believed in the power of the blood, who believed in deliverance, who believed in the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ for all mankind, preached that message, and I longed to meet him. And then one day I had an opportunity as a young man in my early 30s to meet Cecil Wiggins. We were friends from then on. Not only friends, <laughs> but I looked to him as a father and then I look to his son as my brother there's no greater friend that I have in this community than Gary Wiggins and the Evangel Temple Church family is our family the beauty of us is that we live on the same side of town and we pastor the same community and we deal with feed and clothe the same people and we've done it in harmony and we've done it in love for one another so I charge you all of the Evangel Temple Church family all of you that are under the guidance and the leadership of now Gary Wiggins. I want you to know that the legacy of Cecil Wiggins will live on in the life of his children. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. And he's left a principled life, morals and values that you can't buy at a store or you can't get in a revival meeting only. You have to see it modeled. And he's modeled for us integrity and character and for us young preachers and I say young, Cecil was 88 years old when he left here. And I'm just hitting 61 in a few weeks. And I want you to know that I love you, that we love you. My wife, my family love you, my children love you. And Gary Evangel 
if you ever need us, we're going to be right here. And we prove that to you on this Sunday night service. I'd like all of the people that are here um, witnessing this testimony with me to stand up on your feet and just make some noise and give God praise to Pastor Cecil Wiggins and the Evangel Temple Church. We love you. God bless you. God bless you. I want to honor Pastor Cecil. I'd like for him to put up a picture of my great-grandmother, Grandma Kelly. Pentecost came to Evergreen, Alabama in my great-grandmother's home. Grandma, we all called her Grandma Kelly. It was my great-grandma. But she got filled with the Holy Spirit, and our family was touched. And the Kellys and the Wiggins married and joined together. And my dad was born to that family. And down there's been a spiritual history propagated that came out of South Alabama where there were so many Kellys just being touched by the revival and the Spirit of God moving. And pastor comes from a long line of Pentecostals that believed in the fire of God and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that's who we are. That's our DNA. And I celebrate that, but his life has touched many, and I'd like for Keith and Glenda to please come and sit with me for just a few minutes here. Over the next three weeks, I want to hear a few stories from our church family. Maybe someone walked up to me just before this service began and told me about an incredible healing and miracle that had taken place when Pastor prayed for them. But this is Keith and Glenda Jowers. They've been in the church well over 30 plus years. Glenda heads up our Samaritan house, which is serving our community and with all of the clothing and groceries. And let's thank them for their uh, work and service and involvement in the church and friendship. Amen. Glenda. Um, some of you know that Pastor Wiggins, Cecil Wiggins, was a prankster or jokester. I've heard all kind of things like stories about a cat, practical cat joke that he played on someone. Well, some of his teasing was actually with some seriousness as well. Uh, over 30 years ago when I came here, my uh, Aunt Jeanette and Uncle Marvin Smith invited me. They called me and kept actually repeatedly called me. I just want you to come sit with me. So I finally came and sat with them on the back pew. Every Sunday, Pastor Cecil would walk in and greet them, and I was there. So about the third or fourth week that I was here, he started saying to me after he'd greet me, well, when do you think you're going to join the church? And he would just smile and walk away. So week after week, he'd say that, when do you think you're going to join the church? Don't you think you need to join the church? And he'd keep saying that and just walk away. Then I began playing on the worship team, and he would come past me while I was sitting at the piano and say, well, if you're going to play on the worship team, you need to join the church. So, and every week, then he'd go straight up to the pulpit. I think you need to join the church. When he found out that Keith and I were dating, actually my aunt and uncle called him to come to their home and they interviewed Pastor Cecil as to whether I could date Keith or not. And Pastor Cecil gave him the thumbs up. So then he started doing that to me as I was sitting on the piano bench. He'd come by and just give me a thumbs up and say, but you need to join the church. It got to the point where he said, you can't get married unless you join this church. After, after I actually did join the church, he came to me and he said, in all seriousness, I knew the first night, the first day I greeted you, that you belonged here. So that was his story of teasing me, but I know he was serious at doing it. Man, Keith, 
Well, I, uh, speaking of worship team, I was guess the earliest or first drummer in this church over there in that one, that building over there. And I came out of a, a lifestyle where I was asked to play drums a lot. And Pastor, I, I think I played Victory in Jesus in a way that Pastor Cecil had never heard before coming out of my background. And he just kind of looked at me and gave me a grin. Keith was playing drums in the bars and uh, he got saved and uh, Dad put him on the platform to start playing the drums. He did. So, uh, and, and there's been other things that he would kid me about, I'd kid him about over the years, but you know, my dad died when I was 11 and I never had nobody speak into my life until I met Pastor Cecil Wiggins. Somebody positive, you know, somebody giving me hope for the future and that kind of thing. And I went through a difficult time, and Pastor Gary and Kim and Pastor Cecil and Sister Pauline understand what I was going through at that time. And Pastor Cecil gave me a scripture. He says, Matthew 6, if you just seek ye first. So that's what I did. And she came along and interrupted everything. But, uh, <laughs> but I want to tell you about a serious note of Pastor Cecil. New Year's Eve, 1990. I don't know where you were, but... We'd been up about three days coming back from Nashville with our daughter, who was nine years old, and actually just turned nine, and it was a very difficult time in her illness in her life, and, and uh, the doctor didn't give us a whole lot of hope for the next 24 hours. I called pastors, and Pastor Cecil said, well, I know who we have hope in, and uh, surely enough, began praying, and I guess had other folks praying. Well, I came to the watch night service in the orange carpeted sanctuary over there, and um, I used to kid him about that color, too. Uh, but we, we used to talk about just different things. But when I came to him for that, he stopped everything, and the church prayed. And I got a call a few hours later. I'd been up for three days. 36 hours without sleep is not a good thing, right? But I had been up for three days praying, and Pastor Cecil and the staff, everybody was praying. But anyway, he prayed with the church, and he said, we mean business. And within a few hours later, I had just laid my head down, which I shouldn't have had, and went back to the hospital is what I wanted to do. But I got a call, and it wasn't a good feeling at that time getting a call. But when I picked it up, they said, can you come back to the hospital? I said, why? They said, because your daughter is eating breakfast and asking for her family. <laughs> so I know that Pastor Cecil was a praying man, a giving man, and as someone said earlier, a forgiving man, and he prayed and he loved people. And that's all we did, was love people. One more thing to add about that. When Christina was sick, was that was very ill at that time, she was in my care, and I felt so guilty about her being ill. that I don't know why, but it just heaped of guilt. I should have taken better care of her. And I had been given her medication, so that's why they thought she had Rye syndrome. And I thought, Lord, did I do that? You know, how could I cause this? And when Pastor Cecil heard about that, he pointed his finger at me, and he said, no, ma'am. You will not take this. He said, we have prayed and we stand on faith. And the next day she was standing, sitting up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Keith and Glenda. Love y'all. Amen. In just a moment, they're going to play the video that was the last official act. It has three or four minutes long, but he's summing up a message. When we flew into to, uh, Newark, New Jersey from Israel, when I landed, my phone was ringing, and it was on a Thursday morning. He had preached here the night before, and that was his last message. He said, I want you to watch the sermon that I preached. And I said, okay, Dad, I will. 
He said, no, I want you to watch the sermon that I preached. And I knew he was telling me something, that this was important to him, and it was important what he was releasing. And, and so we're about to play the blessing. And for those who've never had a spiritual father speak over you, you're about to have. For those that never had, dad always, many times over the years, he said, so many men don't have dads in their life. And he said, I want to model what it should be like for them. I want to speak into their lives. And I want everybody to stand for this blessing. These are the last words and the last official act of 53 years of ministry from this pulpit. He's going to give an altar call. And I want everyone to repeat this prayer. And if you're not born again, I want you to believe you're going to give your life to Christ as pastor leads us in that altar call. But it starts with about two minutes of a sermon and goes right into the altar call and the blessing. In the Great Commission in Mark chapter 16, Jesus said these words in verse 17 and 18. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. We can do that. You can do that tonight. They shall take up serpents. I'm only going to do that if the Lord puts one in my path and tells me to do it. I'm not looking for one. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. Everybody read that again. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Jesus said that. You can do that. What's in your hands? The anointing of the Holy Ghost. You can pray for the sick. You can pray for all kinds of people in the hospitals, in Walmart, wherever you go. In Acts chapter 8, the story of a revival that broke out in Samaria. Samaria was not a nice place. But Philip went down there and preached the gospel. He had revival. You remember, this is the place where Jesus had prepared them for revival because he, the woman who gave him a drink, he pronounced on her family the blessing of God. So when Philip got there, the words of Jesus came to life and they had revival. And so there are a lot of people saying, Peter and John went down to Samaria and in verse 15, when they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. We need a lot more of that going on around here. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid their, they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. Peter and John laid hands on the Samaritans that had gotten saved under Philip's ministry, and they received the Holy Ghost. You see people down here hungry for God? Slip over by their side. Lay your hand on them. Say, in the name of Jesus Christ, be filled with the Holy Ghost. We need a lot of that going on. We need people with, with Holy Ghost fire burning in their heart. Paul laid his hands on Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. Wherefore I put in remembrance, put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee 
by the putting on of my hand. He imparted ministry to Timothy. We need to encourage people to branch out, witness, testify, speak out, sing, pray, shout, do whatever we can. What do you have in your hands? You can be blessed tonight to make a difference. Bow your heads, please. How many people will raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not saved, but I want to be saved. Please pray for me. Raise your hand anywhere in this building. To my right over here, anyone. Slip your hand up if you're not saved. Directly in front of me. To my left. I want everybody to repeat the sinner's prayer with me, please. Everyone. Dear God in heaven. Dear God in heaven. I repent of my sins. I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. I'm sorry that I failed. I'm sorry that I failed. I receive Jesus Christ. I receive Jesus as Christ my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' Amen. name. Those watching by live streaming, I hope you repeated that prayer. He didn't know we were. I want to do one more thing. I want to speak a blessing over everyone in this room. So I want you to get up, walk down here to receive a special blessing that I want to pray over you. Just slip all the way down. Praise God. Look at those hands again. God's going to put something on those hands tonight. And you're going to go out of here How many prepared want something to change on your hands? people. You're going to be a change agent. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. I'd like for him to sing again. He split the sea so I could walk right through it. But before they do, I want to pray this blessing over you. Come on. Everyone lift up your hands Lift now. your hands up, everyone. Everyone watching. The Lord watching. speaking to Moses, saying, speaking to Aaron and to his son, saying, On this wise shall ye bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. Now praise God with those hands. Come on, let's lift praise him. Praise God. All across this sanctuary, let's praise the Lord. A spiritual father to this house has just pronounced Moses said, Aaron, this is how you are to bless my people. And a patriarch to this house has just spoke a blessing over us. I want you to lift your hands right now. Come on, unto the Lord and just give praise. Come on, just start worshiping the Lord. Come on, everyone, just start worshiping the Lord. Come on, all across this sanctuary, up in the balcony. Come on, come on. Don't take the blessing lightly. Amen. This is important. This is important. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, come on, friends. Just worship the Lord. Come on, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. What's in our hands? What's in our hands? Anointed hands to minister.
lift up a shout to the Lord. Come on, lift your voice. Come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Hallelujah. 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 Listen, I believe there's an anointing on this house to touch a fatherless generation. Pastor labored, and I believe a mantle has fell on this house. There's a fatherless generation that needs to be touched. And they need to know spiritual fathers, amen, that speak into their life and help to input into their life. How many of this bears witness with you? I believe he's left something. He's deposited something upon us. Hallelujah. Everyone that prayed that prayer, maybe if you have not been saved, I want you to come to the front for this dismissal prayer. If you're getting back to Christ, getting your life straightened out, you need to come down here and speak with one of the prayer partners. If you need special prayer about sickness in your body or you want the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I believe we need to accept pastor's admonition. We need the touch of the Holy Ghost, the oil poured on our lives. So after this prayer, uh, those of you that need a prayer partner, they'll be down front, but bow your heads. Father, we thank you that we can celebrate a man that loved each one of us, loved this church, loved this city. God, many times he wept over this city and wept over this church family and prayed with people for, oh God, salvation, for healing, and for many needs to be met. And Father, we thank you that we can honor and pay honor to those whom honor is due. This is a good thing that our families see us doing this, that the coming generation see this. And Father, I pray that every one of our church family be much encouraged. Thank you that we have such a powerful foundation and legacy built on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. And we declare these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen and amen. We're going to sing this again. Be back tonight at 6 o'clock, water baptism and the service, the revival service. Come on, worship team. Hug somebody's neck. Love one another. Oh, yeah.